and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a couple of stories. First, I wanted to let you know that this week you can find me as a guest on Watch If You Dare, where Derek, Aaron, and I discuss the John Carpenter slash Stephen King classic, Christine. That's Watch If You Dare, available on all your favorite podcast apps, and it's always such a joy to be on their show. Seriously, I don't know if I love discussing movies with anyone more than those two. As for this show, this week I have such a treat for you to kick off the spookiest month of the year. We have two delectable delights from Caroline Geary. Caroline is a horror writer based on the south coast of England. As well as writing, she enjoys reading or listening to anything spooky and is working towards a degree in creative writing. Now, grab your favorite candy and listen up to Bittersweet. dreading Halloween. I'm a nervous wreck whenever anyone knocks on the door, and I know tonight it will be almost constant. I live alone, but on a busy road, full of young families. Even though I'm scared of the dark, I've turned off all the lights, and I don't have the television on. I hope people will think no one is home, and then they won't knock on the door. Please... Don't knock on the door. I wring my hands and pace up and down. I look at my watch. 5 p.m. This is crazy. My mouth is dry and I feel jittery. I need to calm down. This is silly, I tell myself. All the doors are locked. All the windows are closed. (gasps) My mobile phone rings suddenly making me jump. I look at it. (sighs) A slight wave of relief. I exhale. It's not him. It's Sarah. Just checking up on you, she says, her voice bright and reassuring. I tell her I'm okay. I don't tell her that I'm sitting here terrified like I do every night, scared to fall asleep looking over my shoulder whenever I do leave the house. I tell her I'm worried about trick-or-treaters and that I'm sitting here in the dark, afraid. She sounds worried. I'll come over, she says. I tell her there's no need, but she insists and I'm pathetically grateful. She tells me to turn on the lights and the kettle and just to ignore the trick-or-treaters. She'll text me when she's outside. I don't turn on the light, but I do fill the kettle. I look out the window. It's dark and shadowy. There's no one about. The family opposite have carved three ghoulish pumpkins, and they are now illuminated by candles and grin at me through jagged teeth. As I make myself a cup of tea, 
I think of him. He's been gone for a month. My physical bruises have faded, but my mental ones are fresh and ripe. He isn't really gone, though. He is everywhere, or at least I think he is. In the last four weeks, I have had knocks at the door with no one there. Phone calls in the dead of night with no one on the other end. I think I catch glimpses of him outside the house. And then, there is the barrage of gifts. The endless boxes of chocolates he sends me. I look at them now, all stacked up on the table. What will Sarah make of them? I should throw them away, but I've kept them in case I need evidence against him to show the police his obsession with me. I open one box and run a finger over one of the chocolates. They look divine. They must have cost a fortune. Delectable fondant balls, sprinkled in sweet-smelling powders, with melted chocolate drizzled over them, with exquisite artistry. A spark of anger ignites in me and burns away at the edges of my fear. How dare he reduce me to this, I ask myself. I discard the chocolates, push my shoulders back, and walk to the front window. Outside in the street, I see a family with two small children in Halloween costumes. I recognize them, but don't know their names. The little girl has long blonde ringlets and is dressed as a witch. She has a toy stuffed black cat under one arm and keeps screwing up her face and cackling, her hands raised up to her chin like claws. I can't help but smile. Her younger brother is dressed as Frankenstein's monster and is covered in green face paint. I step back behind the curtain as they walk down my drive. Something stops me from hiding, although I'm not sure what. The embers of my earlier indignation, maybe. And I snap the lights on and swing the front door open before they can even knock. Trick or treat! They chorus, and I open my mouth in mock horror. Ooh, aren't you scary? Look at your costumes! I say. They growl at me in delight. The little Frankenstein jumps up and down, his teeth unnaturally white against the green face paint. One moment, I say, as I grab one of the boxes of chocolates and pass them to the little witch. Oh, thank you! She says as she puts them in her little orange basket. The mother looks surprised. Wow, those look posh. Thank you, she exclaims. The children smile with delight as they skip off towards the next house. As they leave, I take a moment to look around before closing the door. The air is cold and crisp, and I can see the smoky haze of my breath in front of me. I look down the street. I think I see a shadowy figure partially obscured by a tree. My pulse quickens. I squint and look harder, but decide no one is there, and close the door quickly.
feeling braver once back inside. I look out the front window. There are lots of trick-or-treaters, and now I realize that, in fact, I feel safer knowing other people are around. When I see a little ghost knock on the door, I answer and give away another box of chocolates he gave me. I find the giving away of the chocolates somewhat cathartic, and I decide to give a box away to every child that knocks on my door tonight. Each child thanks me and skips off with them, and each time, I feel a part of my resolve strengthen in my core. Soon, there's only one box left. But I shouldn't have worried. It's nearly seven o'clock now, and there hasn't been a knock at the door for ages. I look idly out the front window and gasp. A figure stands there, a figure in black with a mask like a rotten horse's head. The figure waves at me and then is gone into the night. Could it be? No, surely not. My imagination is running away with me, I'm sure. It's just a kid in a costume. Where is Sarah, I wonder, my confidence ebbing somewhat. I pour a glass of wine and sit in the kitchen, at the back of the house, to drink it. After I've drained the glass, I feel better. I pour another and finger the box of chocolates in front of me. The very last box of the ten that have been sent to me by him over the last week. I smile, thinking that the evidence has been eaten, and I let out a small snort of amusement. The wine has given me bravado. I pick up a chocolate. It's large and round. White chocolate, with a dark chocolate heart on it. I pop it into my mouth in one go. It's delicious. It's rich and creamy and the chocolate center melts in my mouth. I take another one and eat it whole too to feel the buzz of the sugar and cocoa. They're addictive and I'm compelled to eat the whole box. Some crackled with honeycomb, some teased my palate with light, zesty citrus flavors, and soon there was nothing left but an empty box. Suddenly, I'm aware my heart is beating unusually fast, and I feel sweaty and disoriented. <coughs> I shake my head. Something is happening to me. My vision is blurry. I stumble to the sink to splash my face with cold water, but I don't make it there. I gasp for breath, and without warning... Pain sears across my abdomen, and I vomit on the floor. I can't breathe, and I can't think clearly. I feel weak and shaky, and there's a ringing in my ears. What has happened to me? Where is Sarah? I struggle to remain conscious, and I crawl painfully slowly across the floor to try to get to the table where the phone is. I need help. And I need it now. I don't understand what's going on. But I know I'm in trouble. 
I vomit again and whimper in pain as I roll onto my back and I wheeze and gasp as I try to fill my burning lungs. Lying on the floor at this angle, I can see out of the kitchen. There's a face looking in at me. A rotten horse's face. The horse raises a hand and waves. I fight for breath and I try to talk, but it's useless. In the back of my mind, I wonder where Sarah is. And then the horse takes its head off and it's him. And he's there smiling at me. I plead with my eyes. I want him to help me. But I blink and he's gone. And so am I. Gone. Now for another sinfully sweet tale from Caroline Geary called Baby Teeth. Hi, Claire. Marcus draped himself around Claire's skinny jean-clad legs his mop of unruly hair just level with her hip. Hi, you, she said, ruffling his hair. He only came up to her waist, but he was certainly growing. She was 16 now, and she had babysat six-year-old Marcus for the last two years. She had lived next door to the Johnson family for the last 10, and her parents were great friends with Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. Claire found Marcus a slightly odd child. He could actually be a bit creepy. He was pale and somber in character. Something behind his eyes made him seem older than his years. Claire found it hard to make eye contact with him, and he had a habit of making her feel uneasy. But ultimately, he was no trouble, and it was a bit of easy money money that she pretended to her parents that she was saving for university, but actually she spent on cigarettes and the odd can of cider that she shared with Barry at their clandestine meetings in the park. Mrs. Johnson greeted Claire with an overbearing, perfume-scented hug and a heavily lipsticked grin. Knowing Mrs. Johnson, it was probably some super expensive designer brand, but its cloying odor reminded Claire of a mixture of rotting roses and stale air. Claire stiffened in the embrace. You know our number, Mrs. Johnson said, turning towards the hall mirror and patting at her heavily sprayed hair. Claire noticed that it barely moved. As always, please call if you need anything, anything at all, she said. Sure, said Claire 
dropping her bag to the floor as Mr. and Mrs. Johnson shrugged on winter coats and headed to the back door. He's had dinner, said Mrs. Johnson over her shoulder, but there are plenty of snacks in the fridge and a nice pizza you can pop in the oven if you'd like. Thanks, Claire nodded. We'll be back around midnight. That's okay, isn't it? said Mrs. Johnson. It's fine, smiled Claire. I've brought some college work to do. The Johnsons nodded and left, the hall door swinging shut behind them, the house feeling somehow colder in their absence. However, college work was the last thing on Claire's mind. She had planned for her boyfriend Barry to come over. The Johnsons would not allow this. They had a strict no-friends policy that was more than likely aimed towards boys. She reached into her handbag and pulled out a huge bar of chocolate. The Johnsons weren't a fan of unhealthy food, and this was a surefire way to get Marcus on her side. Marcus! She called. She jumped as he appeared in front of her out of nowhere. He looked up at her. She noticed he was now sporting some pajamas. This is for you, she said, waving the chocolate in front of his face. Wow, he said. My mom hardly ever lets me eat chocolate. Is that really all for me? Yes, said Claire, on one condition. Marcus looked up at her with huge, dark eyes. You have to keep a secret. Marcus nodded. Claire leant over him and said in a lowered voice, I've got a friend coming over later, but you mustn't tell Mummy and Daddy, Marcus. Eyes darkened. You're not allowed to have boys around here, said Marcus, pouting. I know, said Claire, doing her best to sound sincere. So? So I didn't want to tell your mummy and daddy as it would only annoy them. But it's just a study, and studying is very important, isn't it? Marcus's face looked oddly pale. He could be a real creepy kid at times. Oh, come on, said Claire trying to lighten the mood by waving the chocolate bar in his face. The small boy folded his arms. No, he said firmly. No way. You're here to babysit me, and that means playing with me and not sending me to bed early because you have a friend around. I don't want a stranger in my house. Fine, said Claire spitefully, breaking off a chunk of chocolate and popping it in her mouth. No chocolate, then? I don't care, said Marcus, stamping a foot and running off upstairs. Claire threw herself onto the lounge sofa with a sigh. She clicked on the television and munched on the chocolate bar, devouring the whole lot. She shivered. The Johnson's house was always so cold. She texted Barry. Sorry, babe. Kid being a brat and says he'll tell the parents if you come over. She shivered again. She did not fancy being here on her own until midnight. The house was very old-fashioned. 
Dark wood doors and unusual paintings. Eerie portraits whose eyes seem to follow you. One was of a lady with flowing long hair and a dark cloak. It reminded Claire of a witch, and she made a point of never looking at it as she walked by. The house had a long dark hallway, too, that gave her the creeps, and a winding staircase, which made you feel exposed. There were too many hiding spaces, eyes watching you between banisters. She had made herself feel slightly nauseous eating the chocolate, and stood up to go get a glass of water. Despite the television being on, the house felt very silent. She wondered what that little brat Marcus was doing. She walked out into the dark hallway and jumped. <gasps> a small, pale face looked out from between the banisters, above and down at her. Jeez, Marcus, she said. You gave me a heart attack. I've got a wobbly tooth, said Marcus. Not smiling, just giving it a wiggle. If it falls out tonight, I'll get money from the Tooth Fairy. Claire scoffed. <laughs> the Tooth Fairy isn't real, Marcus. You know that at your age. You're not a baby. Marcus's small mouth formed a surprised O shape. Don't give me that look, said Claire. If you're old enough to tell me what I can and can't do, then you can take a home truth like that. Suck it up. Marcus stood up then, the shock turning to anger. The dim light of the hallway giving his face an unearthly pallor. You, you shouldn't have said that, he said, raising a shaky finger and pointing at Claire. You will wish you never said that. He looked so angry, it took Claire's breath away. She could see the whites of his eyes for a fleeting second. He reminded her of a wild animal. He then turned and fled up the stairs. Claire shuddered and rolled her eyes, although by the time she had poured herself a Coke, she was feeling a bit guilty about things. And also, she had realized he would tell his parents what she said about the Tooth Fairy and how it all happened. She cursed herself. She was going to end up in trouble, and she had not seen Barry either. She would have to talk Marcus round. She turned on the hall light and went up to Marcus's room. The light was off, and the room was silent. She wondered if he was already asleep. Marcus? Claire said softly, not wanting to turn on the main bedroom light in case he was asleep. Marcus? She stepped further into the room and tried to make out if the lumpy shape on the bed was Marcus's sleeping body or a bundled-up heap of duvet and pillow. Claire felt the hairs on her arms prickle, and her mouth became dry. She was just about to take a step nearer, then... Claire? She spun around, and Marcus was standing right behind her. She let out a gasp and noticed a trickle of blood journey down his chin. He then held up something in his fingers and smiled a wide grin that didn't meet his eyes, revealing a gap in the row of small front teeth. Oh, you lost a tooth! Claire couldn't help smiling in relief, although why the relief, she wasn't quite sure. 
rinse it off and we'll leave it for the Tooth Fairy, she said, kneeling down to Marcus's height, spotting an opportunity to put things right. Sorry I teased you. It was a silly joke, just a joke. And of course the Tooth Fairy is real. I know, said Marcus, his small jaw set in a serious manner. You do? asked Claire. And yes, you're right. Marcus nodded. I am right. I saw her even though you're not supposed to see her. Saw who? asked Claire. The Tooth Fairy, said Marcus, solemnly. Claire smiled, slightly unnerved by Marcus's odd behavior, but also quite pleased the Tooth Fairy issue seemed to have been resolved. She nodded encouragingly. Well, that's great. It was all just a silly joke, wasn't it? And now it's sorted. All we have to do is put the tooth under your pillow and ta-da! Marcus did not mirror her excitement. Instead, she heard him say, You'll be sorry, under his breath. So low, it was barely audible. Sorry? asked Claire. Marcus looked her directly in the eye. She said, you be sorry for what you said. Claire shuddered. God, this kid could be creepy. Well, I am sorry, she said. I'm really sorry. Would you like a story before bed? Yes, please, said Marcus. So they had two stories, but the atmosphere remained tight and tense. The tooth went under the pillow, and Claire went downstairs. She found an old TV comedy to lift her mood, and laid down on the sofa to watch. Soon she found herself drifting off into a fitful sleep, then jerking awake again, clutching her teeth, her mouth feeling raw and sore and full of blood, and then the sweet relief of realizing it was a dream. When her eyes snapped open, at just after 11 p.m., she became aware that she needed a pound coin to slip under Marcus's pillow. She looked in her wallet and was relieved to see there was one there. She stood up and gasped. She was certain a dark figure had moved past the door. Marcus? She asked. She stuck her head round the door, but there was no one there. She started to make her way up the stairs. The air felt cold and still. She listened outside Marcus's door, but there was no telltale rustle of covers, just the rhythmic breathing of a child sleeping. Walking into the room, being careful to be silent, she slipped a hand under Marcus's pillow. At first she couldn't find the tooth. She deftly slipped a hand further under the pillow, so far that it was almost under Marcus's head. Then, she found the tooth, small and sharp. But as she deposited the pound coin and went to smoothly withdraw her hand, 
Her fingers felt another tooth. As she felt around and tried to make sense of what was under the pillow, her fingers found another tooth, then another, and another, and then another. Confused, she grabbed them all and moved out into the light of the hall to see just what she had in her hand. Not wanting to wake Marcus by putting the hall light on, she moved to the bathroom and pulled on the light. The room flooded in harsh fluorescent light, and Claire was confronted by the ashen gaze of her own reflection in the bathroom mirror. Her lips were covered in blood. She hadn't noticed before, but now she could taste the thick, salty liquid. She looked down in her hands to see what she was holding. It was a handful of bloody teeth and almost certainly adult teeth. She looked back in the mirror and raised a trembling finger to her lips. She parted them slowly and stared in the mirror. She saw then, which her tongue had already suggested. All her teeth were missing. Thanks for listening, and thank you so much to this week's author, Caroline Geary. I really appreciate you sending in these two stories. Seriously, what a perfect combination to start off this season full of chocolate and chills. Um, I, by the way, Caroline, I wanted to tell you this in front of everyone. I love the type of writing that does not spoon feed their audience. Like in the first story, where it's just, you have to infer the fact that um, all that chocolate she handed out to all those lovely children was also poisoned. So that was a great little thing that you didn't, I love that you didn't feel the need to say it out loud. It was just something that comes to you as you realize what's happening to the protagonist. Love it. Love that kind of writing. Again, I just, I don't like writing that just says everything out loud. You know what I mean? It's just fun to kind of let a story sit with you and wait for it to evolve as it ends. Or days even later, I've had some great stories. It'll be days later before I realize something about the story. And, ugh, those are the best. Those are the best. Remember, folks, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Scare You to Sleep. The Facebook group is a group, so it'll ask you a couple questions just to make sure you're not a bot or a scammer or something. And uh, what else? Oh, live tickets on sale. Oh, and also merch. You can get Scare You to Sleep merch at it. Everything is linked in the show notes. If you go to the link tree, there's merch. There's live show tickets. There's the website. It links you to everything Scary to Sleep related. It also links you to all the social media accounts. If you don't feel like going and typing in Scary to Sleep into every social media app you have, uh, so yeah, Linktree, love it, love it. Don't know why I didn't use it sooner. <laughs> Honestly, uh, let's see. This week, what can I ramble about? I made some Hello Dollies. Those were very good. Um, I actually made them correctly this time. I think last time I mentioned it, I knew I didn't bake them for long enough for any of you out there who make these things. No one in my family had ever heard of them. I had never heard of them. Well, I had heard of them. 
in the movie Dick, and most of you might not even remember that movie. Uh, it was Michelle Williams and Kirsten Dunst. They make Hello Dollies for Richard Nixon. It's a great movie. It's amazing. But anyway, that was when I had heard of them, but I hadn't heard of them again until uh, I found them. Someone was making them on TikTok, and I was like, that has all the things I love in it. <laughs> I, why haven't I made these? And now this is the second time I've made them, and they're so good. They're so good. Uh, and perfect, again, to go with this episode. It's just, you gotta have chocolate when listening to this episode, if you like chocolate, and if you're not allergic to it. And coming up this spooky season, I've got a lot of fun for you, of course, the kids episode, which is a lot of people's favorite, which makes me so happy because I love producing the kids episodes, hearing what they write every year is a hoot. And I get to use all the fun, spooky sound effects that I don't get to use normally, like uh, just, you know, really like cheesy haunted house type stuff. And I love getting to use those. And I love using the, like super Halloween-y music that I try to avoid for the most part. I put a little bit in this one, but I felt like it went really well with that second story since it had a kid in it. Um, so yeah, very excited about that. There's going to be, I'm going to try to do another double guided nightmare, fe- double feature guided nightmares like I did last year. A lot of people really liked that. So those are both for sure. There's two others that I'm going to leave the other two as a surprise. Uh, You'll just see when they come out. But, you know, each week's going to be something very different this October. I'm very excited. It's going to be a kooky and spooky October around here. And I hope you're excited to be here. I know my buddy John over at Creepy does the 31 Days of Halloween. Um, but that's, I think that's one reason, honestly, I actually told him this, uh, that's why I pull back a little bit. I don't try to outdo, I don't try to overdo it for Halloween. I know you folks all have so much to listen to around this time. And so I just like to put out, you know, my normal amount, but just a little, with a little bit of a twist during Halloween time. So yeah, I'm very excited for anyone who's new here and you have never heard one of the kids episodes listen to one of the older ones. See, it's, I'm telling you, they're, they're so funny. They're so funny. Uh, if you have kids, they're completely 100% okay for them to listen to as well, because they are written by children. And so they will get, some of them do get gory, but it is children 13 and under. So maybe give it a little bit of a listen before you dive in. I try to uh, do the episodes in order of age. So Maybe if your kids are a little younger, you can kind of have a stopping point where it's like, okay, we're done with the like five and six year olds going up into the 10 and 12 year olds. Let's, let's stop it here. Um, but you know, some of the, some of the younger ones, they get graphic, man. A child's mind is a wondrous place and I want to celebrate that. And I want to promote their creativity in any way I can. So yeah. Okay. I'm going to go, uh, yeah, uh, trying to think of what I was going, is there anything else I need to tell you all? Uh, I don't think so, other than happy Halloween season, everyone. Welcome to the scare zone. (laughs) That was so dumb. I'm going to go. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Stop, stop, stop throwing tomatoes. I get it. That was really dumb. You can stop booing. Uh, drink water still, even though it's cooling down. Gotta drink that water. Um, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.